Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. Good evening, folks. Hope you're all well on this Sunday evening. Rory here with you on the bench until 7pm. We have an awful lot to get through over the next 60 minutes. We'll be talking uh, ladies' uh, football and particularly the uh, decision by the LGFA to not run inter-county or All-Ireland competitions for underage panels. We'll be talking to minor boss Joe Carroll about that in just a little bit. Reaction from Kieran Kingston after the Rebels draw with the Tipperary last night. Going to talk to Cork Camogie's uh, Paddy Murray and to Linda Collins after their win over Tipperary. And we'll hear from Intermediate Captain Ashton Maloney. They also beat Tip yesterday. Reaction from Ramblers after their defeat to Shelburne. And we're going to talk athletics as well. So a lot to come over the next hour. You're listening to The Big Red Bench on Cork's Red FM. Glad you could join us on the show, 086-8104-106. If you'd like to get in touch with us uh, via text or via WhatsApp. Just going to wrap up on all today's action and uh, the latest scores uh, from the Premier League. And one game just uh, currently still underway. Four games in all in total today. Uh, West Brom and Liverpool is 71 minutes old. They're level at a goal apiece. Hal robson can will put West Brom ahead. Mohamed Salah equalising for Liverpool. Elsewhere today at uh, finish. Uh, Tottenham 2 Wolves 0 Guy Swindles Spurs 2 Wolves 0 Spurs take a huge step towards at least Europa League qualification with a deserved victory Harry Kane's 21st league goal of the season setting them on their way they then saw Hoybier score the second from a rebound they also hit the post three times and had two shots cleared off the line as for Wolves they did have the odd opportunity but sadly most of them fell to Fabio Silva who'd forgotten his shooting boots Spurs 2 Wolves 0 Crystal Palace winning in the early kickoff today Mike Lawrence Crystal Palace 3 Aston Villa 2 a really entertaining end of season encounter with a much changed Crystal Palace side twice battling back after going behind and uh, deservedly taking all three points late on a bright start from the visitors saw them take the lead through John McGinn cancelled out by Christian Benteke's header Anwar El Ghazi put Villa back in front just two minutes later Palace improved greatly in the second half Wilfred Zaha's solo effort made it 2-2 before defender Tarek Mitchell won it from close range with his first goal for the club Crystal Palace 3 Aston Villa 2 the last game of the day is Everton and Sheffield United at Goodison Park. That kicks off at 7pm tonight. Chelsea playing in the Women's Champions League final for the first time tonight as they take on Barcelona. That's in Gothenburg. It kicks off at 8. Galway have beaten the All-Ireland Senior Hurling Champions Limerick today in Division 1A of the Alliance National Hurling League. 26 points to 117 was the final score at Pierce Stadium today. That result ends the treaty's 14-game unbeaten run. Shane O'Neill's side continue their impressive start to the new season. Elsewhere in Division 1A, Waterford beat Westmeath 122-119. In Division 1B, Wexford coming from 8 points down. Impressive stuff from Davey Fitzgerald's side as they beat Clare 219-121. Antrim losing out to Kilkenny by 7 points, 128-315. to The final score at Nolan Park today. In the Football League, the All-Ireland Champions Dublin routine win for them over Ross Common, 122-16 points. Elsewhere, newly promoted Armagh beat Monaghan, 116-112. In Division 2 North, Meath beat Westmead 16 points to 15. 
Clare beat Leash 116 to 12 in Division 3 South Alfie beat Wicklow 114 to 110 and in Division 4 North Sligo beat Leitrim 219 to 18 points Team Ireland's Roars have had a great day at the Olympic qualifying regatta in Lucerne as they qualified two boats at the Summer Games in Tokyo First up the women's four of Emily Hegarty Emer Lam Afrikyo and Fiona Murta won their final by almost three seconds over China to qualify fifth boat for Japan the lightweight women's double of Margaret Kremen and Eva Casey of UCC Rowing Club Deng qualified a six boat boat excuse me for Tokyo as they finished third in their final behind the USA and Switzerland and Seamus Power is 21 under par through 11 holes of his final round at the AT&T Byron Nelson on the PGA Tour he's in a tie for second on the leadboard just two shots off the pace as well fingers crossed he can pull out the win there alright we are going to start uh, with Gaelic Games and as I mentioned that stop the show was confirmed this week by the LGFA that the All-Ireland Series for Underage Level is being scrapped for 2021 the second year in a row this is despite the GAA running their own Underage All-Ireland Championships this year after some pushback this week the LGFA released a statement to say that interprovincial matches could take place but no All-Ireland matches in response the Cork LGFA themselves released a statement today saying that they were very dismayed by the decision Wanted a voice, their total dismay, and finishing with the line, let our girls play. I spoke to Cork minor boss Joe Carroll about the decision earlier on today. Okay, now I'm joined by Cork minor boss Joe Carroll. Joe, I'd imagine this has been um, a massively frustrating week, not just for you, but for your players, your coaches, parents, everyone involved in the Cork ladies underage football. Yeah, it's been very frustrating, Rory, to, you know, to get this was a, a huge setback to get to hear it when we heard it first. We weren't expecting it, really. I suppose after last year, you could fully expect that there was going to be no con- no competition with the with the pandemic the way it was. But everybody was looking forward to this this year, and all the players, the coaches, and each of the three grades in Cork under fourteen, sixteen, and minor were all putting their plans together, and trying to do bits of work in the background while we were closed down altogether and on through strength and conditioning courses and so on and nutrition talks and. You know, at the Cork Miners, we had a huge talk from Bridge Cork, really, which was very mm-hmm. inspiring, but to hear this was very deflating. Um, what was your reaction, I suppose, to the, the ladies' football statement that came out during the week? Yeah, I suppose, you know, like, you could make an argument for anything if you wanted to, but, like, I, I'm involved in G as well, like, and <laughs> there was a lot of it that was was very unfair, I thought, you know, because in GA, there's minors as well. They're under 17s, but minor boys, for example, would be under under 18s. They play club. Some of them could be involved with their county under 20 squads, so they're going to play. There was a thing about exams in it and about missing schools. Like, schools are going to be closed in the May. I'm a te- I was a teacher myself, like, I'm just retired. And uh, there, there's loads of time for, for fitting in these things. If you sit down and most the competition at the moment has been planned for August. All the requirements are two games. And I think the Cork LGFA have released a statement this morning with a very good suggestion that it's only two games just at the very start of September and the thing is finished. One on a Wednesday, one on a Saturday or Sunday. Just played off within the week if it had to. And at least you get the competitions played. You know? So, so there was a lot of very disappointing stuff in it. And I think we're going to lose players because of this story. We have lost players already that were catching trials with us, but they're now co- co- concentrating on other codes. That's what I was going to say because to you, because obviously the the, the, the biggest um, impact on everyone is the girls who just want to play the, the game that they love and represent the county um, that they love as well. And they seem to be almost have been forgotten about over the last uh, couple of weeks. They have to- totally forgotten. And you know, I suppose if you look at any inter-county squad at senior, the amount of, of, of players that go from under-14 senior 
to minor to adult to play adult level is very small. There's only a couple coming out of each, each year group in most counties. And like I even spoke to somebody you now in, in a, a northern the player in a northern county during the week, and she said like this: they didn't win anything, but she says she remembers it to this day at playing. And I think this the enjoyment you get out of it, even if you don't win. It's great if you win, and I suppose Cork have been extremely successful down through the years. But even if you don't win, it's it's a good thing to make an inter-county panel, to be number 30 on an inter-county panel. It's a great achievement. And I think they're depriving girls during this. But I think the other thing is that it's it's, it's like the, the brother and sister in the one house. One who's heading out the boy, who's heading out the door at under, uh, an under-17 boys competition and saying, I'm saying this to win a monster, to try and win an All-Ireland. And the girl, his sister, is going out the door and she's saying, look, we've only a monster competition, we've no All-Ireland competition. It's so, from that point of view, it's, 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 it's very, very, very unfair. It's sending out the message, I suppose, that girls aren't as important as boys when it comes to this. Oh, of course it is. It is, it is definitely sending out a message that, that girls aren't as important as boys. And, you know, I suppose it was a very good week for the LGFA. With money coming through for players, being paid expenses and so on, and uh, teams being playing in big venues and the games being televised and something like that. But... I think, and I think the late Eamon Ryan was one man that said this, that the biggest knockers of LGFA are the LGFA themselves within our own association that they don't support it. And when we get something positive, that we keep it positive. Things will always go wrong in the GA. I'm involved in the GA and things go wrong in that as well. And But they sit back and they take account of it and they give their county boards a chance to have a say. I don't think the county boards had any say in this, from what I'm hearing anyway. They had absolutely no say whatsoever. It should have been circulated first. Do we want to play the competition? Outline what the problems are as regards the fixtures and when the problems are put on the table. Let someone come up with with a few suggestions to see could we solve the problem without just making a hard and fast rule above it's not being played and that's it and and, and, and so on. Do you think Joe, ladies football are trying to just do this quietly and just kind of assuming that everyone would just accept it and move on? Well, this was Rory, you know, there's a lot of claims in it that players are going to be playing a lot of a lot of games and and so on. But equally, and boys are going to, to to play a lot of games and and move on. But I didn't hear any mention of the ladies' senior championship being cancelled because that's where the money is. And fair enough, we all like to see the money, but like we have to see after the players of tomorrow. And these players now, in most cases, have gone two years without playing this in, any intercounty football. And I'm sure, like, if the boys decided there was no under-17 competition last year and under-17 again this year, there would be county boards up in arms all over the place complaining about it, and it would be rescinded. I am no doubt it would be. And some claimed in like this, maybe there shouldn't be under-14 competition, maybe there shouldn't be under-16 competition. But in ladies' football, they have been extremely successful over the years. In, in boys, I would say there are development squads in every county, I suppose these fulfilled the, the idea behind the development squad to a certain degree, and it's a feeder into minor teams and from there into, into senior teams. So the importance, of it, I think, is absolutely huge. Is there a hope, Joe, that like now that the Ladies Football Association have seen the response from counties like Cork um, to this, that they, they might reverse their decision? Well, I would be hoping they would. And, like, you know, everybody makes a mistake. And when you make a mistake, and it goes wrong, there's nothing wrong in saying that it was a mistake, and just going back and look at it again and say, look, there's a lot, of, a big groundswell, the Camogie, there was a big 
argument there about fixtures as well and it it went back and there has been a new decision made and people have accepted it there was a vote in it like uh, the Cork LGV have called for a poll of all county boards and I think that should be done maybe some counties don't want inter and if they don't want inter that's fair enough I don't have any problem with it but whatever counties do want inter should be allowed inter like Munster the Munster Council have been very good in fairness they were on the ball right away and are, are organising their competitions. But I've heard that in other provinces, maybe because there's no All-Irelands, that there may not be a competition because there's no carrot. Like, for example, in Connacht, Galway would be very strong, probably stronger than the other the other teams, and they may get no game at all this year, So, which would be very unfair on them. And, just and, and I have spoken like to both the Galway manager and the Kerry manager, and they'd be our main opposition with the last mm. few years. And we're in total agreement that the competition should be played. Yeah, fingers crossed it does because again, just to circle back to the players, they're the ones who are affected by this. The Cork um, LGFA statement today says that 75 players have pulled out of trials for under 16 and under 18s and it's no coincidence that that has happened since the announcement that has been made. It's the last chance for a lot of these players to, to represent their county at an uh, inter-county level as well, which must be very upsetting for them too. Yeah, like we had a squad together last year. Our players got ready, it got called because of the pandemic we couldn't do anything about it but some of those players are underage again with us this year and they would say no minor football for Cox and you know Cox record is minor football the carrot was there alone set by, mm-hmm. by John Cleary over the last few years and the carrot was there alone to try and entice, to entice them and they're absolutely mad to play so it is very very disappointing if this competition doesn't go ahead and just to say thanks to the Muster Council at least we have a competition to play in and we'll try and we will prepare for that but Cork may not win the Munster Championship, it could be our opposition Kerry, and myself and Rory Kilgall and the Kerry manager discussed that. Mm-hmm. I think that it could be either one of the two of us, but so be it, that it, at least it's started on the field of play. And, and that, that would be the hope that it will, be, it will come back, whoever wins Munster, or Connacht, or Leinster, or Ulster, will get an opportunity to play two more matches. Two more matches, that's all that's being asked for, and I don't think that's an unreasonable ask of anybody. Well, fingers crossed, um, ladies football, hear this and hear your suggestions and hear the, the suggestions of the Cork LGFA in their statement today as well because uh, we just want the games to be played and we want the girls to play as many games as possible in their inter-county colours and fingers crossed that can happen. Joe, thanks very much for talking to us today. Thank you, Rory. Yeah, it's Court Minor Ross, Joe Carroll there speaking to us about the decision to uh, by the LGFA to scrap uh, Underage All-Ireland Series uh, this year. Very, very frustrating, as I mentioned to Joe, not just uh, for him and the management and the players, but for parents and players. And it's just, it's very, very hard. And uh, hopefully, as Joe Carroll says there, the LGFA will roll back on that. And as he said, just two more matches after the Inter-County Series All-Ireland semi-finals and finals. That's all they're looking for. So look... Uh, fingers crossed things can get sorted out and uh, it'd be a fantastic boost uh, for ladies football and uh, for all the players to have that All-Ireland series available to them coming up on uh, full time now between uh, West Brom and Liverpool still level at a goal apiece 85 minutes on the clock there at the Hawthorns uh, just look back on last night's uh, hurling as Cork and Tipperary played out a draw 216 to 22 points Jason Ford with a cracking free last gas point for Chip to, to level matters to Mamahani and Patrick Horgan with the goals for the Rebels uh, Valerie's up there for us in Simple Stadium and uh, along with the rest of the media got the reaction of Cork boss Kieran Kingston Kieran all the pleasing following yeah, look, it was. I mean, okay, I suppose. I mean, there was, there was mixed, there were mixed emotions after it because um, they were, you're proud of the guys in terms of the periods of the game we were we were playing poorly, um, but we stuck with it and got a result at the end. And the other side of it, then you were saying that uh, maybe game we should have won coming down the stretch, and it's kind of mixed emotions really. 
Yeah, like that was that's pleasing. Like that's something obviously that we're, we're trying to work on, and uh, uh, I suppose tips it up tonight with an extra defender. So obviously you're not going to have as many opportunities as you would if when the when, when, when the six on six. But at the same time, we created a good few, got two, uh, and that was very pleasing. Uh, I suppose probably frustrated when we didn't bring it home. Though when you get two goals and and you don't concede any, you you. Um, you feel that maybe this game you should win. We were missing a few last night, we were injured um, coming into the game. We lost a couple enduring it, so we were down probably probably a few of your bigger names and it's great to give these lads a chance. And I, I said before the start of the league, the league for us was about A, building momentum and B, building a, pa- a panel, a championship panel. And you're not going to build a panel unless you give lads opportunity at this level. And like you're playing Tipperary and Tullis in May, outside of the crowds it's championship fair more or less because uh, everybody's preparing for championship so whilst it's unfortunate to be missing some lads it does give us an opportunity to um, to see the other guys and at this level of holding against the All-Ireland Champions of two years ago The over carries tonight in the case of uh, interpretation with another referee of going for as many of them so I have to be careful how I answer this one. No, no, no. <laughs> but look, um, look, you can see we were a bit frustrated there at times. Um, when you draw a game and you can see 22 scores, 22 frees, I think 15 of them are scoreable frees, and you get nine frees, you're always going to be questioning is, uh, what, what's the rationale for that, you know, what's the reason for that. And, and look, the referees have a tough job, I and mean, I sympathise with it, but I just was baffled with some of them, to be honest. I mean, you're up against a serious, serious forward line there. Um, no, as I said, when, 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 when Tip set up with an extra man, then we're obviously going to have, by, by default, we're going to have one as well. So that helps, but I mean, we didn't give them a, a goal chance, and that was, that was very pleasing. But to me, the most pleasing part was not playing well at times, we, were, we still got a result out of the game. Uh, and as I said, when you, when you do concede 22 frees, not playing well in patches, and to get the result coming down the stretch, and maybe should have won, hit the post in the last puck of the game, um, that was very pleasing. Also, it was like Mark Coleman, no outstanding match at centre back position, and maybe he's caused carpet problems the last few years. Looks like he's settling in there nicely. Yeah, look, look, we all know how good Mark is. I think you could play Mark anywhere. We we play him centre back and we feel a centre forward if we had three Macs, you know. Uh, because look, everybody knows he's a class, he's a class act. Be ahead of that game. Yeah, the guys we both know have kind of hamstring problems, so they'll be back for the next game to be unlikely. So, like, I mean, we thought they won't be underestimating Westmead in any shape or form. We played them last year up in Westmead, and we're lucky to get out of there. So, uh, it also gives us opportunity, no different to tonight, it makes a few changes. Uh, but at the same time, we got to keep a core of our team right because you're trying to get a balance of having a core of your team and still giving guys opportunities to play at this level in preparation for championship. Yeah, look, I mean, those conditions, that playing, playing that game is obviously going to be more difficult because there's a risk of being turned over, um, especially in the middle third. Uh, and we saw that tonight. But I guess just think there were times we could have maybe, um, maybe moved the ball a little bit quicker at times. That's something we have to look at and bring maybe more of a mix. That whereas you can, we, we can have the support, but at times we've got to let it go maybe, well, especially in conditions like this. That's Cork boss Kieran Kingston there speaking to Valerie in the Assembled Media last night after that draw with Tipperary uh, won, uh, 2-16 to 22 points was how it finished in Semple Stadium last night going to hear briefly from our tips Liam Sheedy Yeah, could have went either way I guess, you know probably going down the home straight we were under pressure I uh, thought the boys showed great heart to uh, to get the draw so that was a very very pleasing aspect of it look we were saved by the width of the post there finishing up uh, so it was, it was nip and tuck and you know Jason got a great feet, free to equalise it as well so look overall good contest again you know aspects of our play that we'd be disappointed with I think we finished with 17 wides you know normally we, we convert more of our chances than that so uh, loads, loads to work on but I, I'm most pleased about the spirit of the group and I thought they worked really really hard tonight got some new players on the pitch again some guys that hadn't seen a lot of action for a few weeks so 
shaking off the cobwebs a small bit and uh, yeah so it's all systems go again as I said we'll roll over tonight and we're back in here again next weekend the first touch just getting that ball in your hand I mean it's hard then to break out with it so it's, it's probably just a lot having to happen in a short league Ah, yeah, it is, but it's isn't it great? You know, I mean, myself and Kieran were just talking before the game. Like, it's great to be back in Torles. It's great to be back playing matches. You know, we know we had an odd shower, but the pitch is in great condition. No real, no real breeze, no real breeze uh, on the night. So, look, as I said, um, match could have probably gone either way, but we disappointed. We didn't really threaten a goal again tonight. And you know, normally this team is has a knack of trying to find the back of the net, and we haven't really threatened the back of the net, let alone try and shake the back of the net in the last two matches. So that's a, that's an area of our game that we have to work on. But look, we remain a work in progress. But spirit is strong. Four wides and. And then Cork got a goal we had another wide after that so that's something you'd probably want to work on yeah look when we were three points up we had a chance to push on you know if I think if we had to go six or seven clear at that stage it might have, it might have seen us home so look loads of areas to work on but you know I suppose that's, that's the, that was the nature of the game you know I didn't think there was ever that much in it they probably they, they hurt us on the restarts in the second half you know I thought we had great intensity on the restarts in the first half but we ran out a bit of, of a bit of juice in that second half and they got, the, they got the ball away and they worked it up the field and we never really could lay a hand on them so that was, that was an area we've got to work on but as I said overall good night's work Party at full back you know a slot it in there nicely and Brian McGrath really is, is the find of the league yeah, Brian is playing really, really well. You know, it's 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 great to see Brian coming up. But look, anyone that's watching Brian in the under twenties and under twenty ones, he's always been a fine player. So he's he's making the he's making the step up, and he's he's literally only doing what he's doing in training. So I mean, he's he's put his hand up and he said he wants to play, which is which is great news for us. So, but overall, I think we're building a nice panel. There's there's nice momentum building, and you know, it's all systems go again now next week for Galway when they come to town. That's Liam Sheedy there speaking at Temple Stadium last night after the draw with Cork. A good enough game. And- as well um, but yeah draw probably could be the fair result last night but a great uh, free from Jason Ford last night said to level things up uh, and get the draw for Tipperary it certainly has to be said alright uh, nearly time up but still West Brom 1 Liverpool 1 we'll get your full time report on that one in just a couple of minutes Camogie now and Cork's off the challenge Tipperary and Porky Cueve yesterday 3-14 to 16 points the final score Amy O'Connor with two goals Fiona Keating with the other Cork captain Linda Collins uh, spoke to our man Ger McCarthy First of all, congratulations on first victory, first back doubt. Um, may not have been the performance you were looking for, but is that to be un- understandable considering it's been so long? Yeah, definitely. Like, I mean, we're in May now, you'd forget that for the league as well. So I suppose it's we're happy enough to come away with the win, but obviously we're only building now at the moment. So hopefully we'll improve from here and there's lots of learning to be taken from that as well. So, um, yeah. A good score from Cork, considering it was your first doubt, positives first of all. Your midfielders played well, everybody put a good shift in and some important players coming off the bench and making make an impact as well. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's a big goal for um, the league is to play as many players as we can and use as many subs as we can because it is going to be a short season and we don't want to fly anyone. So I think it's really important that we do make use of the bench and use our subs and everyone is fighting for positions and everything. So it's great and there's good competition in camp. You fell asleep in that second half for a period and tip up it and came back into it. You got five unanswered points. So as good as, win, as the win is and as important as it is, plenty to work on for the next day. Absolutely and as I said the league is a learning so there's huge huge improvements to be made but hopefully we'll build from here and learn from our mistakes and that's to be um, taken as well I mean when it's May and we haven't played since December so yeah. Uh, how difficult were the first 10 minutes really puffing after a while yeah it takes a bit of getting used to alright being back on the pitch and with that intensity and things but once you get your second wind you're not too bad you keep going and we've been training hard with Kevin Murray and Kevin Dunn so all is good 
Um, from Cork's point of view, obviously you're, you're on the road now the next day, there's a bit of a gap to it, but plenty to work on, and if having that 60 minutes, 65 minutes under in the legs especially would be hugely beneficial now for you. Yeah, definitely, and I think next week is important. <clears throat> now we have the week, and so we won't be... <clears throat> We won't be going out till the following week, so it's good to have the week and it's good to have the 60 minutes in the legs, as you said. That's Cork Captain in the Collins there speaking to Joe McCarthy after their win over Tipperary yesterday. Gerald's got a chance to speak to Cork boss Potty Murray. Okay, Potty, let's talk the positives first of all because first day out, having been away for so long, a good score against a good team and a win on the board. Yeah, look, first of all, a win. I think it means that we qualify for a quarter final, which was very important. Good score, good movement, attitude was good. Uh, you know, so overall, from that side of things, uh, you'd have to be happy. You have to expect to live, uh, some amount of sloppiness, you have to expect a certain amount of mistakes because it's the first day back. But were you getting worried when Tip got those five points in a row in the second half? Not, I suppose uh, we always look comfortable. Uh, they crowded midfield. It probably just took us a small way to adjust to that again. Uh, you know, I suppose maybe we were smarter than lucky in, in, in the, the, the transition area a couple of times and that we went to move it and just that look, the, probably our own skill levels probably left us down in, in, in those uh, situations. So, But look, that's expected because we've only what this is our, our, our uh, 11th day out. So we haven't, you know, much done from a, you know, hurling point of view. So you expect those things. What did you make of Tipperary? I mean, they really you expect Coy to band to pick up some scores from freeze like she always does, but they played really well today, I thought. Oh, well, Tipper are a good team. Uh, you know, they're, they're top four at the moment and they're looking to shove on. And, uh, you know, so we expected a tough game. They're probably more settled team than us as well uh, in that, you know, a lot of our, oh, we've a lot of young girls coming into our side. So, uh, you know, that probably would be easier for them to uh, adjust for today rather than us. You must be pleased with the impact from the bench as well. A lot of young players coming onto the field are getting any more experience very important for them even at this early stage of the campaign yeah it is uh, look I think we have 25-26 on our panel this year uh, and I don't think there's that much between any one of the uh, players uh, so it's important that anyone that gets their chance has to take it there's a bit of a break to the Waterford game now does that give you time to iron out some of the things you saw today and work on the good things that you did yeah look at it just stay going the way we're going um, we're training well um, and just hope that our, our skill levels and uh, fitness just get that bit better in uh, two weeks time um, and just finally from your own point of view as you said you got the win under the belt for the first day and that's that's very important there is a quarter final place there now will you experiment the next day out against Waterford or will you look to keep same same kind of set up same team look that remains to be seen I suppose first of all we'll have to see how girls are going in training uh, I think there's a, a football match that weekend as well so that has to be considered because you know look we, we have a number of dual players so it's important that we keep them fresh uh, as well so you know look uh, uh, I'm not going to give away much because we'll just have to see the way girls uh, will go on training. That's Cork Moggy boss Paddy Murray there speaking to Jar after uh, yesterday's win over Tipperary. Sensational, sensational scenes. Sensational scenes is all I can say at the Hawthorns where Liverpool have beaten West Brom by two goals to one thanks to a winner in injury time by goalkeeper Alison Becker. Not even joking. He went up for a corner. Beautiful glancing header into the far post to give them the win. It was brilliant. We get a full-time report on that one in just a couple of minutes. But he was up there because they needed to win to keep their Champions League hopes uh, very much alive. And they have certainly done that with that win. 
they are now a point behind fourth place Chelsea with two games to go. They're three points behind third place Leicester with two games to go. It's absolutely brilliant. I love football. I absolutely love football. I'll get you a full-time report on that one in just a bit. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, or as you heard earlier, we spoke to Cork um, LGFA minor boss Joe Carroll about the decision by the LGFA to um, to cancel um, uh, the All-Ireland series for underage um, teams this year. Um, we've got a text in. To 0868104106. As a parent of a former Cork LGFA minor All Ireland winner, my heart goes out to all the underage panels. The commitment and pride in wearing a county jersey is enormous. The sacrifices they make are second to none. Most will never make senior ranks due to strength of the existing panel and the level of retirement is very low. Underage is their only opportunity to excel and aim for a hard fought title and medal. The pride and thrill of being successful is felt not only by not only the player in question, but by their family and more importantly, their home club from some of the smallest parishes in the county. The LGFA have made a very bad decision in light of the current pandemic situation and the last opportunity for some to aim for the most important achievement any young lady can have in a county jersey. Common sense must overturn their decision. These girls will balance anything to get this opportunity. Here, here. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. We're still waiting on the full-time report from the Hawthorns to come in where goalkeeper Alisson Becker has given Liverpool all three points with a last-minute header um, away to West Brom to <laughs> really push for the Champions League uh, spots. It, it was a great header as well. It wasn't uh, lucky or anything. It was a, a glancing header to the far post. It was beautiful. But we'll get you our full-time report on that one in just a bit. Um, still to come on the show, we're talking uh, Intermediate Camogie as well with uh, Cork captain Ashley Maloney. They had a win over Tipperary yesterday and we're talking Athletics uh, with uh, Shirley Maudsley and Chris O'Donnell. Uh, but reaction from St. Commons Park last night where uh, Cove Ramblers' luck just has deserted them this season. I asked Stuart Ashton about it in the pre-match press conference on Thursday and said, I said... Their luck was surely due to change. Unfortunately, it hasn't. With that 2-1 defeat uh, to Shelburne last night. And they were a better side for a lot of the game that I saw anyway watching the stream last night. This is the reaction of uh, Stuart Ashton speaking to the Assemble Media. You know, we went ahead deservedly so. Um, should have gone two. Obviously, he's missed the penalty. In fairness, it's a good save. But we've had two snipes at it. He's made two good saves. Uh, you know, the rebound should have scored that as well if we're being honest but again he's made the saves so you know from that point of view you know we're still one nil up at that stage so we're still in the driving seat so to speak um, and then obviously we've I think the boys are saying the shot has got a deflection Sean has gone down and it's it's it I think was it Lee or someone I think and you know they're, they're back in the game then um, deservedly so I don't think so at that stage, um, but then, obviously, they've they've showed their qualities and they've they've dominated for a period there. And if we're being honest, we've been we've been slack then, and uh, we've conceded a second goal then out of out of what was uh, you know um, not a winning position at that stage, but an advantageous position, let's say, you know, one nil up like, and then one all, we're still in the game. And it's it's a it's a fairly good game, uh, 
and as I said, we've just conceded again uh, a, a sloppy one from our point of view. He's got a free header in the box. We shouldn't be allowing those things. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, at the minute it's not easy to do that, you know, but we've got to take the positives out of it, you know, and as you say, against um, a top team, a team that's up there, you know, again, we've got to look at ourselves first and foremost, and I think, as I said, the first half, we we matched them, if not better than them. They, obviously, the second half, we, the you know, the look the bounce that they got and you know the deflection you know has deflated us you know and rightly or wrongly so when those things are happening regular to you you'll, you'll get deflated you know we've got to keep the boys uh, high spirits in those situations but again at the heat of the moment those guys have deflated and it's took a you know, us time to get back going again, and they've punished us for that. Like you know, um, you know, they, you know, they've got the tails up with an equaliser. As I said, they've showed the quality. You know, up until then, I think we've matched their quality, and then we've just let the the laps, the laps go for what is a couple of seconds, a ball in and a cross, and we're two one down. We've got the ball down, we've played it, a ball in behind with a great run, a ball into the box, and we've stuck it away well. And, you know, as we keep saying, we keep creating the chances and we have to keep believing that, like, and if we keep doing that, hopefully it'll come right for us. Again, we have to close the back door, as we keep saying. Those silly things are costing us, and that's, that's the big one for us at the minute. Yeah, you know, we, we look at it and we regroup again at training. Um, you know, as, as the coaches, we look at the the analysis of it, and we'll we'll go through that again. Um, but again, we've we've got to keep the positives because, as you say, you know, as it's sinking in, there are positives there. The way we played, the chances we created, you know, we've just got to eradicate those silly mistakes that are costing us big time. It's probably one as well, as you say, at two 0 it gives us a bit more freedom, you know. Um, but again. At 1-0, we've still got to keep playing the way we're playing. And we've got to believe in that because when we do it, we're good at it. And we've, as we've shown, we can go 1-0 up there. But again, then, for some reason at the minute, we're just conceding those silly goals. And as I say, it's, it's costing us big time. Sorry, Stuart, then. Look, um, we see you consider like Shells, Grant, top tonight, and the way you more than matched them for, for the most of the match, really. Do you know, um, it, it, it must give you some kind of going like in the coming weeks as well, do you know, that you know, you're more than a match, like for the very best in this division, like, you know. Yeah, we, we've got to keep believing that, you know, the table. The table doesn't say that, um, and you know everyone looks at the table and everyone look at the result tonight and say, "Oh, they lost again," and that's that's for a comment at this stage. So we've got to take the positives, and as as we're saying in the group there, and as you've said there, we've matched the top team. You know we've played the other teams um, the last few games. No one, no one has come out and really, you know, really beat us. Beat us. It's just a case of where. We're causing our own problems, and we've got to eradicate that quickly. Yeah, I think I think if Cove Rambers had no luck, no luck, they'd have uh, no luck at all. It's uh, 
yeah, it's it's just hard for them at the moment. Nothing going their way. Played very well last night, taking the lead against Shelburne, conceded twice, and just disappointing result uh, for Ramblers. But fingers crossed, they can get back to, to winning ways and, and start uh, pushing forward the playoff spots because it'd be fantastic to see that. And they certainly deserve it. They've been playing some good stuff and playing well in games. Just again, it's that little bit of luck has been deserting them so far this season. Alright, uh, back to Camogie in the Cork Intermediates uh, also beating Tipperary yesterday winning 2.13 to, to 14 points Our man Jer McCarthy has been speaking to Cork captain Ashling Maloney OK, Ashley. first of all, congratulations. A great start for the Cork uh, Intermediates this weekend. A big win over Tipperary, 2.13 to 13. It sounds like it was a good game and a tough game. Was that the case? Yeah, it was definitely the case. Um, I suppose we knew before we went up that Tip were going to be a good side. They always are. Um, having played them over the years and stuff, so we knew they were going to be strong. And especially, I suppose, going away from home as well, you know, you're going into, they're familiar with their grounds and um, I suppose they have that home advantage. So we're very happy now. We're a good first round and great to get a win under our belt on our first day out. Um, how tough for those first 10 minutes as a player, having not played in so long? Yeah, <laughs> it's just very different. You know, I suppose we've been off for, for so long with the lockdowns. It was, it was great to get back, but I suppose that first 10 minutes, you're kind of wondering, are we going to be able to do this for 60 minutes? You know, it's a, it's a long 60 minutes when you haven't played in so long. But I think, to be fair, we had we had our work done in training, and I think we knew that coming in. We were able to back ourselves, that we had the groundwork done, and uh, we were happy enough going out that we, we would be able to put in a performance on the day. Yeah, because you can do all the training you you want on your own, um, and then when you just get back, but it's it's quite um, it's quite a, a much smaller league campaign this year. The margin for error is is pretty slim. So getting a win, especially away from home and against a team like Tip, that's about the best you could hope for on the first day out. Yeah, absolutely. We can't have any complaints. Um, we've three matches in our league, so I think it's the the top in the group comes out into the quarterfinals so it's definitely important to get off to a good start and as you say there's not really much room for error and we're out week after week so as you say preparation is key there as well you know having girls ready to go and making sure that we have the strength and depth in our panel as well you know I suppose with, you could be carrying knocks and as you say the preparation is, is key as well and that we put in that market training every week and I suppose that we first get used to each other as well and you know it is our, our first year again with a new team you know I suppose we've been building over the last few years but there's new girls coming in again this year so it's a great opportunity in the league to put blood in new girls and for us to get used to each other as a team as well um, you were eight points up at the break and then as you would expect at home Tip really came at you um, you managed to weather that storm and then see out the game and got a, a late goal um, what like, what did you learn that you didn't already know about your team in that second half? Um, I think we kind of I suppose we we let them back into it you know we were very happy at half time and we were kind of saying to ourselves you know keep doing what we're doing like if it ain't broken don't fix it so we kind of went with that much so but Tip kind of had other ideas and I suppose they did really come at us in that first 15 minutes of the second half I think we kind of had to just try back then the hatches you know they kept tipping over the points and we were under a lot of pressure but I suppose it kind of showed a sense of maturity that even though we're a new team I suppose kind of the few leaders stepped up and we didn't really panic we kept going and stuck with the game plan you know trying to work the ball out and just get it up to our own forwards and as you say we got the crucial goal that kind of gave us a bit of a bit of breathing space again and I think sure goals win matches and today we got two of them so mm. we were very happy with that as well um, I must ask you as of course you're overs it, on the same day that Linda Collins captained the senior team you get to, you get to captain the intermediates a lovely honour for your club but a lovely honour for yourself and your family as well yeah absolutely it's, it's a huge honour I mean anytime you go out to Spain 
in a Cork jersey it's brilliant but even to get the opportunity to captain the Cork Intermediate team this year is fantastic and for of course the Wolves our club you know a small country club to have two captains for both the seniors and intermediate is massive and I suppose that shows the year that we had last year with our club that we won the senior county title for the first time and suppose we've been trying for years and it was the, the year we finally got it so it's really great for, for a country club and I suppose it's great now to have so many girls on court teams and I suppose to put court rovers on the map as well in terms of smoking. That's Ashley Maloney there speaking to Jer McCarthy after the intermediate win over Tipperary to 13 to 14 points was how that finished. We have to get to uh, the, uh, the the Hawthorns and that full-time report and that incredible finish as Liverpool beat West Brom 2-1. Abigail Davies. It's finished. West Brom 1, Liverpool 2 here. Unbelievable scenes at the end of this one. Liverpool's Champions League hopes almost suffered a huge blow here, but... Thanks to goalkeeper Allison, they've managed to keep their hopes alive going into the final two games. It's finished 1-2 and Allison, as I mentioned, scored that goal in the final minute, a header from a Trent Alexander corner. Unbelievably, West Brom may have had nothing but pride to play for here this afternoon. They defended admirably and quite unfair that they've lost this one, but quite invitting with how their season has gone. It's West Brom 1, Liverpool 2. Brilliant. It's a brilliant header. You, should, you have to see this. It's a brilliant glancing header. And uh, Liverpool uh, getting that three points to, to keep them right in the Champions League hunt with two games to go. It's going to be an interesting week in the Premier League. All right, we're going to talk athletics and Irish mixed relay team members. Charlie Mosley and Chris O'Donnell have been speaking to Valerie this week uh, to discuss their route to Olympic qualification. Let's go chat. Joining me on the Big Red Bench this week are Ireland's mixed relay team, Charlie Mosley and Chris O'Donnell. Chris, Charlene, welcome to the show. Thanks, Riley. Good to have you. Thanks so much. Guys, I mean, has the excitement calmed down any bit yet? Yeah, I mean, if, well, I suppose, yeah, we were on a, very much on a high last weekend. and um, But at the same time now, it's kind of back to hard work again. You know, the job is only half done. We've only got the team there. So now we need to make sure we're in the, in the best position possible in, in the next couple of months. So we're kind of back to our own individual bubbles, back to working hard. But it gave us a lot of confidence uh, going into the next couple of months of training and it really is something to look forward to as well. Charlene, how were you in those few moments afterwards? I mean, there's some amazing pictures and photos that I'll be finding out afterwards that you were true, you know? Yeah, I suppose because we had come third, we were just waiting for our time to come up on the screen. So the anticipation waiting for that was just, it was nerve-wracking. Um, but I suppose you could see the pictures from the anticipation of us all waiting to see if we had qualified and then when we had qualified so it was just a surreal experience and it just it meant the world to me and it meant the world to the team so it was just it was it was just unreal like yeah just on that as well uh, I think World Athletics could really see the the story unfolding with us I mean Brazil won the heat and I think the cameras were on them for only a few seconds and then they just seen us kind of waiting 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 um, to be honest, I knew with the time we would run that we were we had qualified, we had beaten the previous heats times. But I, I literally said at the time, um, I'm not going anywhere until I've seen the official confirmation because there can be disqualifications. You don't know what happened. So we're just standing there. Yeah, if you can watch it back, I think three three minutes or something, the cameras are just on us and trying to control our emotions wasn't easy. But um, they, they really bought into us and uh, they put up a lot of videos of, about us afterwards. And it was probably a good story for them as well. Yeah, what is it like 
Charlene, over the last week or so, getting the support and the coverage that you have got? I mean, that's really important when it comes to your sport. Oh, yeah, it's definitely been unreal. Like, I think, you know, everyone is saying during the COVID-19 pandemic, like that it's been really tough on athletes and it's been really tough on everyone. But I think because there had there wasn't that much going on at home, it just it really made everyone connect. And like, as Chris said, our story, you know, like everyone loved it. So I think everyone back home seeing how much that meant to us. And like, it's not every day that so people do qualify for the Olympic Games and the support that we've just received since doing that has just been amazing. And we're all so thankful for it, like, you know. Chris, you went out there thinking, all right, there's a chance we could do it. But like, for you, did you yourself go, we will do it? Or were you thinking, mm, there's only a chance? Look, yeah, you always have the belief, but at the end of the day, you never know. There was countries in there, you know, were drawn in the heat with the likes of Great Britain, Brazil, Germany. And we still we still have belief and we, we had a great mix as well of youth and experience. So myself and Charlene have came up to the ranks all the way. I think our first international was together in 2014 uh, at the schools. We did European under-20s, European under-23s, you know, team championships and hopefully now Olympic Games. But So you had us coming through the ranks and then Phil, Phil Healy and Thomas Barr have just been there, done that, they're seasoned internationals. So we had the, a nice blend of youth and experience and I think I said as well at the time, you know, a couple of teams would have seen Ireland and be like, ah, you know, we don't need to think about them. But inside the camp, we we knew that this this team was for the youth experience and we were really hungry to do it. And yeah, we absolutely believed it. And thankfully on the day, um, we, we showed what we can do. Charlene, you didn't have much time to practice. I mean, you landed on the Wednesday and it's it's surprising to hear that you didn't have, it's not like you were training months for this, you know. Yeah, but I think, like, as I've said before, like, it's really about your individual performance and carrying that through as a team. I think all of us on the day put out our best individual performance. And that's the reason we qualified for the, for the Olympic Games, you know, like each of us ran, ran our hearts out that day. And, you know, we knew what was at stake. And like, as Chris was saying, like, you know, we knew that we had a good team and we just wanted to prove that Ireland can be in the mix at these championships and we performed at a world level, you know, on the day. So it was just unreal. How does it feel there standing, waiting for the bat and waiting for your turn? Nerve wracking. <laughs> <laughs> I was starting, so I'm okay. I just have to pass. You're fine. You just had to kick things off. I was happy, you know. <laughs> I remember Chris was saying, I'll be screaming for you. And I was like, well, I won't be screaming for you because I'll be too <laughs> I'll just save your energy. I'll do the screaming. So I was just, I was saying prayers every every time uh, one of us went past. I was just, yeah. So Chris, you're quite vocal when it comes to the relay race. Clearly. Um. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm happy enough to take on that role and 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 let the others do do the uh, talking on the track. I mean, what exactly do you be roaring when you're coming up to your your next partner? You'd like take it, take it. What what's going through your head, like? Yeah, because 400 metres, the last 50 metres, you're literally, you're swimming and you're crying out for help. So I suppose in a 4 by one you're passing the baton, but this time it's just, get 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 this off me as quick as you can, please. Yeah, I was eyeing up Thomas, like, when I was running into him, and I was like, don't sprint, whatever you do, do not sprint. But I think he knew by my facial expression to, like, take it easy, take it handy. And then once I got, once I was, the baton was out of my hands, I was just like, relief, okay, my job is done now. So then you could scream for Thomas as I was dying on the ground, like. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of nerve-wracking. It sounds very nerve-wracking. It's a lot of pressure on yourself, your, your own individual performance, Chris. 
did you feel pressurized starting things off? Yeah, of course. I mean, look, there's always the doubt of if you get a bad start and, and it kind of sets you up then for the rest of the race. So I was happy with, with my role I played. I put the team in the mix and then Phil Healy took it on from there, got us into a lead and Charlene ran a stunning leg as well. And then Tom, with all his experience, was never really going to mess up on last leg. So it, it worked out really well. I thought, you know, our coach probably selected the four in the right positions yeah. um, as well. And um, yeah, you can be a bit nervy at the start, kind of uh, at the end of the day, it's a country's weight on your shoulders. But that was just something I was really happy to, to, to take on that challenge. And I pride myself on, on running for my country as well. So it's just an honour, really. Yeah, Charlene, he mentioned there that the coaches obviously picked the positions and the technical side of things. Do you have a preferred spot that you would have preferred to run in? Were you happy where you were? Obviously, now you're happy where you are, but... No, I was quite content with um, running third place. Uh, Phil ran in second and she had to speed out, you know, for the first bend. And she got us in really good contention, which meant that I was running on the inside for all of my 400. So it was, I was really happy with the coach's selection, but at the end of the day, they know best. And we just run in whatever position they give us. Like Chris was saying there, you know, about like the pressure, like, but like, as you say, like pressure is privilege. So we were just, it's been unreal. I feel like when it comes to the 2B, pressure is for tyres anyway, by the sounds of things. Um, <laughs> how, have, how have you been to, I know you're saying that you're used to kind of running over the few years together, whatever, um, but how have you built a friendship over the year through the sport? Clearly you might have built a friendship over it. Yeah, just every time I'm running for Anna, she seems to be there as well. So um, long may it last, I suppose, because it means we're both doing well. Yeah, definitely. Like, I think because we've been friends so long, like, I just really had a lot of trust in the team. Like, Chris always peps me up before the race, and I went into that race believing in myself. And, you know, it's easy to doubt yourself sometimes, but there wasn't one bit of doubt, and it's because I, cr I trust Chris so much, and I trusted the team. So our friendship definitely plays a huge role there. Oh, that's good. It's good. I think you need trust in someone like that when you're running for such a big race. But now you're back to the grind now and things are, you know, this is where things get difficult for you now because it's selection dates are probably around the corner. When exactly are you going to know? Is it the end of June? Yeah, possibly around the, the end of June. National Championships will also be a big indicator, but also in, we'll take up some races abroad uh, in June as well on our own and we'll try and get a fast time as possible and just, yeah, we were the team that got there and, and the coach would like to stay loyal to that, but There'll also be people, you know, licking their lips at home as well, saying, I want to get on this team. So we need to be on our toes and, and make sure our spot's secure over the next two months. So the worst thing we can do now is think that the job is done. We're back into hard training and that's absolutely, we're just looking forward to the challenge now of everyone else stepping up and trying to take our places. But that's a challenge that we're looking forward to. I mean, in a way, Charlene, like Chris was saying, you know, that obviously you were the team that got there and it would be extremely unfair if anyone else was to take the spot ahead of you because you're like, well, I was the one that got us here. So how come I'm not going? Yeah, I think we just like, as Chris was saying, it's going to be exci an exciting next couple of months. Like national championships is really where it will be at. Like you're going to have, I'd say, God knows how many people running the 400 this year. Yeah. But like, it's a really good thing for Irish athletics. And it's a really good thing for us to be able to get competitive races over the 400 metres in Ireland, especially. Like, as Chris was saying, I'm going to travel abroad. Chris is going to travel abroad. We're going to get our races in abroad. So we are racing really good people, but it would be great to come back to Ireland and, you know, show our form and show our class on the day. And hopefully that will show up 
why we were selected for the team. Yeah, what about practice now for this sort of thing? I mean, you probably won't get to practice again. Is it the next time you're going to do it again in Tokyo, lads? Or <laughs> Yeah, it'll be out in Tokyo. That, to be fair, it's, we had a, it worked out well in the end because I was on a, a training camp in Spain in April and Phil Healy was there. So I was passing to Phil in Spain and Thomas and Charlene are based in Limerick. So Charlene was passing to Thomas in training. So that worked out really well. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll still have uh, plenty of time, I'm sure, in the holding camp before Tokyo to get all that spot on because yeah, it worked out well on the day. So we'd be confident again. How have you figured out the success of athletics this year has been absolutely amazing. I mean, we saw at the start of the year, there was such a break in lack of competitions and then everyone returned to action and there was PBs flying all over the place. Do you think it's because people wanted that bite and they were just waiting for the chance to hit go again? Yeah, definitely. I think everyone over COVID like was training really hard and I think everyone was so eager when competitions came out and everyone, we didn't have many competitions, so we were going out to run our very best on the day, you know. So I definitely think the lack of competitions last year definitely helped us all bounce back again this year and everyone wanted to go out and run fast. So that's kind of what we did. Yeah, it is. Chris, what's next for you now? What's next in line? What are we keeping an eye out for you for? Yeah, so I'll go back. The, re- the relay job is done for now, so I'll go back into my own 400-meter races. Uh, we're looking at kind of the next uh, three weeks. The rest of May is going to be just training very hard, so I'm targeting to run fast in June. I've got a couple, two or three uh, lined up abroad in June. Um, I'm looking at Slovakia, Copenhagen, and um, there's also the European Team Championships yeah. before the National Championships. So I should have four uh, fast runs in June, hopefully. So the next three weeks is um, just hard work preparing for those. Charlene, you in a similar position? Um, yeah, I think I'm going to actually start racing towards the end of May. Please God, all staying injury free and you know keeping fit and stuff. Um, so I'm hoping to, as Chris said, target European team champs and also nationals. That will be mainly where I will be peaking first. So hopefully we'll get a couple of fast runs in my legs before then. But yeah, that's the aim as of now. Also, I know that you have booked a spot in Tokyo, but you probably, in a way, like it's a massive dream for any athlete to get to go there. And Chris, it's obviously in the back of your mind a small bit that it could be happening. Hopefully it will be happening for both of you. But like there's a massive chance that you will be in Tokyo this year for your country. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's something that we all dream of as a kid. Uh, you never really think it's going to happen, but um, as well. And I, it was interesting as well. Last week, the village I'm from, uh, we had another qualifier, Mona McSharry. So when she qualified as well last week, I was like, right, I better up my game here. So if we can get the two of us going out there, it would be amazing as well. Yeah, Charlie Maudsley and Chris O'Donnell, Irish Mixed Relay team members, uh, chatting with Valerie uh, during the week. Really, really interesting chat with the two Irish athletes. Nearly out of time. Um, just before we wrap up, uh, team news from Goodison Park, Everton taking on Sheffield United. Shane Pennington. Everton boss Carlo Ancelotti makes one change from the side that drew 0-0 with Aston Villa last Thursday night. James Rodriguez comes back into the starting lineup after injury. He replaces Gilfie Sigurdsson who drops down to the bench. Whilst for Sheffield United, caretaker boss Paul Heckenbottom makes three changes from the side that lost 2-0 at home to Crystal Palace last weekend. Jack Robinson, Ben Osborne and Daniel Jebison all come in. It's his first start for the 17-year-old Jebison and they replace Brian Berg and Oliver Burke. 
at Goodison Park it's Everton against Sheffield United yeah, that's underway in the next couple of minutes that's pretty much it from us thank you very much indeed for tuning our way this evening if you missed any of our show you can grab it on our podcast available on redfm.ie or from wherever you download good podcasts from follow us on Twitter at Big Red Bench we're back next Saturday and Sunday from 6pm with what will be of course two very very busy shows and uh, thank you again for tuning our way Connor Halpin's up next with Green and Red three hours of the best Irish music coming your way right here on Cork's Red FM enjoy the rest of your Sunday evening folks I'll chat to you next week The Big Red Bench Saturday and Sunday from 6pm Cork's Red FM